What's happening, my man? Hey, Paul. How's it going? It's going really well. It's only been since forever. How are you doing, dude? <laughs> Good. I feel like such a scab. I show up once every uh, 13 months or something, but... Yeah, let's check it out. What was the last episode you were on? Uh, go back to 2019, 2018. Was yeah, it, it was Manasha? Yeah, it, it was I my paused. choice. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey, did uh, you watch Hunt for the Wilder People? I watched it, but I didn't show up didn't. to talk about it. So this is episode 18, and you were on episode, were on episode last time last. on five. Yeah. So it really has like been a year, maybe. Yeah. Over a year. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so hey. glad you're back. Yeah. Excited to be here, guys. We have an open door policy. No one's yeah. obligated and you just come when you want to. Well, I have wanted to, but my life has just been spinning out of control. So I'm so excited to be able to report that things are like sufficiently okay. And here I am. So yeah, this is, this is exciting times for me. Sweet. Welcome back. Do you watch the movie? Yeah. Um, did it remind you of Bright Star? <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely, I was wondering if it was going to go there. So I, I'm excited to hop in if we need to. <laughs> that one got burned in effigy, man. It was just, although Jason's not here to rip it to shreds the whole time this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I picked a lot worse movies than that. It actually is near the top of the rankings now. <laughs> Really? What what his, what went like full mystery science theater? Which was the worst of the worst so far? Oh, I think Piccadilly Jim Piccadilly was the Jim. worst. Yeah. And I think Unicorn City is probably the second worst. Sorry, yeah. Jason. I don't know what either one of those are. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he picked it for Will. And Leave No Trace was great. The Farewell was fun. Piccadilly Jim was horrible. Saving Mr. Banks, I did not like. That was a Jason pick. Oh, really? Cinema Paradiso. That was Carrie. Nice, Carrie. Apparently, you're the artsy one, bringing the levels up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some Like It Hot. That was okay. Jessica. Yeah. Billy and a, a Room with the View was Rachel. Lady Hawk was Will. M was Sean last week or last yeah. month. M was fun. That's awesome, man. It was a little murdery, but it was good. <laughs> it was a little... <laughs> Like it, it was definitely creepy at the first with like child murdery. Uh, Jessica's coming, right? Hey, she, is. she said she was logging in as like the second you said her name. <laughs> that background, yes. every time. That. Mr. Rochester. Um, is Rachel coming, Chad? Yeah. She's on the group text, so she should just be, I don't have to send it to her, separate. Are you not your wife's keeper? <laughs> I'll text her. Oh, Paul, do you want to catch us up on what have you been doing the last year? Uh, oh, I think I just muted, unmuted. Um, <laughs> okay, what have I been doing this last year? Keeping my head above water. Uh, I'm a nerdy professor at BYU, and we are now... Uh, back to teaching mask to mask instead of zoom to zoom nice and mask to mask my friends is way cooler than zoom to zoom because it's just nice to be in the same room with people and even if 
even if it is awkward silence, you actually know that that's the case instead of just the Zoom lag, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you teach, Paul? Oh, children's literature. So I read uh, little kids' books <laughs> all day, every day. And tomorrow's the last day of class, end of the semester. So nice. Yeah, kind of exciting times. Um, did you watch Dune in the theaters? Yes, that's the the only movie I've seen in theaters <laughs> since COVID, actually. Yeah. Sean, did you end up watching it? No. Oh, uh, we can't I do Dune talk. Everyone. Well, we don't have Jason or Will, and I think they're a big part of Dune Talk, right? We're, we're going to have like a separate meeting for Dune, aren't we? Yeah, we should have Dune Bonus Talk. meeting. We should have a whole what? separate podcast where we just meet weekly to say, has Sean seen Dune yet? No, <laughs> <laughs> same time, same place next week. Yeah, what will be is check in on Sean's Dune watching, and then I'll review what I logged in Letterboxd. and uh let's see i got happiest season a couple weeks ago um oh did you guys watch val the documentary about val kilmer recommend it was great was it sad i cried twice but i loved it i watched the beatles documentary guys i am halfway through that and it's amazing I could it just is. watch it all day. I know. I'm it's really so excited to see it. I haven't started it yet. Okay. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And Yoko's like not the Yoko that everybody hates. It's so yeah, cool. She's, she's fine. She's just a normal. Yeah. And they're they're actually friends. And yep. oh my gosh, it's so good. And John's so artsy and Paul's all <laughs> business-like. <laughs> I, know. I know. Is it a documentary or is it? It's a yeah. fly on the wall documentary. So there's no voiceover. It's okay. just like eight hours of straight Beatles making songs. You watch them like create, get back from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then Paul's just playing. That, that was really incredible. Paul's just playing piano along and winding road. And it's great. Well, Rachel. They're, they're all like little kids. They're like 10 years younger than we are now. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're, you were the Beatles. <laughs> When you were 10 years younger than I am, I haven't accomplished anything. Like, what? And George looks like a grizzled old man and he's 25 years old. Uh huh. <laughs> a hardened warrior that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other segments before we start? Oh, if people are going to talk about the great British bake off, I'm oh, fully yeah. caught up. So nice. You don't have to worry about spoiling it. All right. Me. Yes. So. When Freya got kicked off, did I cry? I don't think so. I was sad. But when Lizzie got kicked off, tears were definitely welling up in my eyes. It was like the saddest ever. And then when Jurgen sad to see her go. When Jurgen got kicked off, my heart broke. Mm-hmm. Still haven't recovered. And then Giuseppe that, that like Giuseppe was like the worst on the final, and he still won because. I don't know. Even Giuseppe at his worst is like <laughs> better than I'll ever be at anything in my life. So I was disappointed in the final because Jurgen wasn't there and it wasn't as good as it should have been. Are we I all disagree though. I feel like this is the strongest final three they've had in any other season. 
Uh, I think like, Jurgen could have replaced Kristal. I mean, I do think Jurgen deserved to make it to the final, but comparing just this final to other finals from past seasons, yeah, I think all three of them were these really were good. the strongest three bakers they've had. Yeah, everyone got a handshake except for Jurgen, and that was amazing. Watch it, guys. It's really good. <laughs> all right. That's it. We're caught up on Great British Bake Off chat. Any other segments before we jump in? We have uh, Where's Paul? He's here. Oh, Paul's here. <laughs> Segment is. over. That's right. Every every episode is Is Paul coming? And Anthony's like, I don't know, guys. He's really busy. <laughs> busy is a euphemism for like my life was falling apart, and like I really am pleased to say things have calmed down exponentially and like it's good like you can hear screaming in the background but it's little kids who are happy and healthy and it's I'm super stoked to be able to say as much so it really is like yeah I'm glad to have given you something to talk about for 13 episodes but I'm also just excited to be here so I'm excited for multi-camera angle, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, How'd you do that? Oh, no, no. Put your headphones in. All right. Is that oh. good? Yeah. How did you connect twice? Uh, I just oh, sent it oh, to you my... you got your computer? Email. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. This is great. Let's do a share screen. Ugh. I'll text Mayor. They didn't give you permissions? No. What a punk. I have a um, non-share screen question. Is anybody excited to see licorice pizza as much as I am? I'm really excited. Doesn't that look rad? Oh my uh -huh. gosh. And just like the like the cinema verte-ness of it, where it's like people kind of playing themselves, but not. And, yeah, I'm super stoked. So. Vienna and I used to watch a lot of movies together and we don't watch, like we're just not interested in any of the same things anymore. But uh, <laughs> as far as movies go. And, um, <laughs> and uh, but sh we saw the trailer for that. She said, oh, is this like potentially... <laughs> Like where our interests like overlap still, like yeah. So. I think the only movies Steph and I have seen together have, um, like animated animals that can talk. So I'm excited to watch something that doesn't have that with her. <laughs> Did any of your kids watch Jane Eyre with you? Yes. Last time on uh, Bright Star. Paul was just crying with one of his kids watching Bright Star. That's so true. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. My my baby like woke up from her nap and I was watching like the last 20 minutes of Jane Eyre. And normally she like immediately asks for Minnie Mouse, like, please turn on Minnie, Minnie, Minnie. But um, she just sat there and like asked questions. She's like, is that houses yeah those are houses <laughs> like and then and then at the very very end when michael fassbender shows up again she says 
that Jesus? (laughs) 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 When like blind, disheveled Michael Fassbender showed up. So that was fun. Did make my husband watch with me and he was definitely crying by the end too. So we bonded in that moment. Um, it was sad, but I didn't cry. Maybe because we split it up over two days. Mm-hmm. Mm. Rachel, did you cry? Heart. Well, I've been watching the Will of Time series on Amazon Prime. And the first episode was a bomb. I did not like it at all. I'm like, oh no, they're going to ruin Wheel of Time. And I kept on pushing through. And the rest of it have been great. And I just like cried twice on the last episode. It gets really good. It gets good. I made Rachel watch the first episode with me. That was a mistake. Yeah, it, it's possible. The dogs were horrible looking and it was just so slow. They, I'm, I have not read the books, but it may actually made me want to read the books. Um, uh, though, from what I understand, like the first few books are just about Rand, and Rand is easily the most boring character out of all the characters. They made him really boring. That's true. But he gets better, kind of. Rand is not my favorite. I read like, I think seven or eight books, and then I stopped. And they were like a thousand pages long. <laughs> I, yeah, I think they really did well to have the story be about like the group from the start. Yeah, and Nynaeve and Egwene was like more interesting than than uh, Perrin. Oh, Perrin, he's so boring. <laughs> All right, guys, Mare is not responding. So... I have a Zoom account that allows recording. Should we just make a new one or is there some special thing that he has on his? Well, he's, re- uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't have, do you have a Zoom account that can allow multiple people in for more than 40 minutes? Yes. Well, why don't we just use yours? Sure, yeah. Um, can you just send her the, li- the video? No, Mayor, Mayor mm-hmm. created this with, uh, with his company account. And then he yeah, sends no, I me a link. So anybody can screen share. So yeah, I don't know. Whatever you guys want to do. Should we leave and Jessica can create a meeting and send it out on Facebook and on text? Can you merge the two audios if we do that? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to keep this? Yes. This is vital. <laughs> the okay. best part. Yeah, I I I add in the music at the first of every episode. So I can add in two audio files and merge them together. Okay, I'm going to cut out and open a new meeting and send you guys a link. All right, everybody cut out. See ya. Mini dance party. Does it just I does it just work better to be in different rooms in the same house? Like I I've never done, like Jana and I, whenever we've been on a Zoom call, are like always just on the same device. I think it does work better, but right now I'm actually in Louisiana for work, so we're not even in the same state. Why are you in Louisiana for work? Well, we have a, um, 
project we're working on some soil and groundwater sampling that's kind of this big deal that I think we're in week four and we're going to be at least like five and probably six weeks into this investigation. And I'm kind of at that stage where I'm supposed to be like the project manager and bossing people around instead of like putting dirt in jars. But um, we're just so swamped right now that there's nobody else to do it. So this is my, I think, third week. There, there, yeah, there have been people that have covered a little bit of it, but I'm spending a lot more time in Louisiana than I want to right now. What is the food that's like a deep fried ball? Oh, hush puppies. Have you ever had hush puppies? I have, but that's not the real star of the Cajun cuisine. What is it? <laughs> um, Southern Louisiana, there's a lot of boudin, which I had never heard of before coming out here and it's delicious. It's like a sausage, but it's not just meat. It's like rice and a bunch of spices and it's really, really good. Um, and then there's po' boys mm -hmm. and red beans and rice and all the other just Cajun classics. There's lots of really good food, just even at little, you know, hole in the wall places. That sounds great. All right, Jessica is, uh, do you want me to share or do you want to share Jessica? Yeah, if you already have it up, go ahead. Multiple people uh, can share it once if they want. That's just a little bit too crazy. I'm gonna share my screen, share, move club, Jane Air trailer. Ready for it? Which one? This one. Can everyone hear that or see it? Yeah. Can't hear it. I, yeah, I can't hear it either. Yeah. So I got to share audio too. Yeah, you have to share the audio. More. Share sound start it over play how's that wait for it do you know jane Eyre, where the wicked go after death they go to hell and what is hell where are you ran if you don't sit still you will be tied down pit full of fire should you like to fall into this pit and be burned there forever? People think you are good, but you are hard-hearted. Get out. Children, I exhort you to withhold the hand of friendship to Jane Eyre. This is a grand old house, but it can feel a little dreary. Mr. Rochester's visits are always unexpected. Your gaze is very direct, Miss Anne. Do you think me handsome? No, sir. You're afraid of me. I'm not afraid. I was not asleep. I know what I saw. It must have been half dream, half reality. You transfixed me quite. What am I to do, then? You rare unearthly thing. I must have you for my own. You're so little acquainted with men. Keep him at a distance. Miss Ingram's coming. She's a great favourite of his. 
floating gently in the stream of life, unaware of the rocks ahead waiting to dash you to pieces. Do you think that because I am poor, obscure, plain and little, that I am soulless and heartless? Jane! Jane! Seems unreal. You saw the most phantom like of all. Jay. They left out that best part at the beginning with the when she was little about how she responded to like, would you do you want to go to hell basically? And she said that I shall not die. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be healthy so I can continue living or whatever she said. That trailer was edited like a horror movie. Like it was like the others or something like that. I mean, the movie has that feel the whole time. Well, it doesn't have the music. Like that drumming yeah, bass. Music. Like it's just, I just, it was like a regular orchestra score and not like this thumping bass and jump scares but it wrapped it up anthony wrap up the story for us and explain why you chose it for the how much of the story do you want me to explain i don't know a paragraph so uh jane Eyre is an orphan who um is at an early age uh, sent to a boarding school for girls um, and uh, basically doesn't experience a lot of, I'm going to try not to bring the book into it, uh, doesn't experience like a lot of uh, love in her life, um, but um, fr- eventually ends up as the governess to um, a French-speaking um, ward of of, um, Mr. of Michael Fassbender. There you go. And um, and then he she eventually meets uh, Michael Fassbender, and they um, and they ha- have very intense uh, sort of flirtatious conversations, and. Uh, eventually he proposes marriage and she's really surprised by that because she thought that he was going to marry this other person that was more part of his society. And, but then as they're getting married, uh, it's interrupted and finds out that he is already married and has locked his uh, wife up in like a dungeon in the house. Um, and um, and so she runs away, and, and it's actually framed interestingly because the beginning of the movie is her running away, um, and she ends up running a school for Mister Rivers, and he proposes marriage. Saint Jin. At that point, she, Saint Jin Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Saint Jin. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, but then she runs back away to Thornfield and finds that it's been burned down and that um, 
Michael Fassbender's wife died and she finds him as a blind, disheveled Jesus. And um, that's the end of the movie. Yay. And they kiss with his fake beard and it's pretty gross. Not as gross as St. John's kiss to uh, his sisters. And then his sister is like, but Jane's our sister. Aren't you going to kiss her? Oh, did not like that. That's all. <laughs> the, uh, do you want to talk about the book at all or how it's different? Or should we just talk about the movie? Or why did you I, I actually don't movie? think, I don't think it's that different other than uh, it's told from uh, first person from Jane's perspective. Um, it's not framed in the same way because I, I thought this uh, pre on previous viewings of the movie too, but, even though like you like flash back and forward um from her hanging out with saint jen um or how <laughs> whatever however they say his name um uh in a lot of ways the story because the flash forward again i i don't know a lot of that you could it seems like the story is going in order um, but it's not actually like, like she goes to become the teacher at, at this, at his school. And then it has her leaving her boarding school. Um, and, and so there's some ambiguity at first, if you're unfamiliar with the story. Um, so, yeah, so that flashing back and forth like that isn't in the novel. Um, I, I mean, obviously a lot of the sections are a lot longer. Uh, like her childhood is and uh, is a lot longer. Um, but and then I don't remember how it's like twenty something times she addresses the reader directly um, in the novel. She says "reader." Um, famously, like at the near the end of the book, she says "reader, I married him." Um, and I, I there's one line in the movie where they sort of try to adapt it where she says like, sir, I would marry you. It's like, it's transposing the line from reader. I, I married him. Um, yeah. And has everyone read the book? I'm reading it for the first time right now. I'm a, a little past halfway. So I'm kind of experiencing both at the same time. Ooh, a dual reading and watching uh -huh. experience. <laughs> I, I read it as a teen. Oh, well. I remembered the ending and some of it, but Rachel's watched this movie how many times, Rachel? So I'm sure I've seen bits and pieces multiple times. I don't, I think this is my first time watching like the whole way through though. Yeah. How many times, Rachel? 101. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you like watch each version or something like that? No, I don't think I actually did that. But I, uh, before this one came out, there was another one. And I think, I don't know who did it, but I'm pretty sure. It's like a uh, BBC one, isn't it? Probably. Yeah, there's a Ooh. BBC one from 2007. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, Rachel. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, I was going to say. 
All I can think of is Michael Fassbender. What's the actual Rochester? I'm pretty sure Rochester was in a wheelchair at the end. I don't know. Yeah, they ruined it. This one was better. I didn't like seeing the girl from Persuasion as a bad stepmom or a mom. She did great. You didn't like that? No, because I like her and she's nice and she's not I supposed thought, to be mean. I thought the same thing. What is that Sally Hawkins? Is that her name? Yeah. That, yeah, like I immediately saw her playing that character. And it's like, oh no, that's Paddington's mom. Like I love her. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's jarring, but I think she does a really good job. Oh, I sure. Think so too. Yeah, but still. I can't hate her. I thought it was cool to have her in more than one role. I would have loved you if you'd let me. Oh, yeah. And then she forgives her. That was great. Jane Eyre has got a heart of gold and is a hero for us all. Did anybody write copious notes and want to read through them like Mare? It's not showing up because of Godzilla. I wrote a few notes. <laughs> uh, should we go around? We'll go around and everyone can say like three things that they liked and maybe some thoughts. Um, who wants to go first? Should we go Carrie first, then Sean, then Rachel, then Paul, then Jessica? Because that's the order of my screen. <laughs> Carrie, you just you're up. tell people. Okay, Carrie, you're up. Some thoughts. Okay, wait. So you said three things we liked. I don't know. You we just want your notes, want. Carrie. You just have time. We okay. we want the notes. Uh, <laughs> so I had read Jane Eyre, but it's been 15, 20 years. How old am I? Um, so the only thing I'd actually remembered, and I had seen the movie, but it was like the William Hurt one from what, like the mid nineties. Um, and the only thing I had remembered was the crazy wife locked up in the attic. Like it wasn't until I was watching this version where it was like, oh yeah, I remember this is gonna happen soon and so on and so forth. Um, so I don't know, I was very cranky and very tired when I started this movie last night. So I felt like a lot of stuff that probably would work most of the time didn't work for me, at least at first. Like um, Michael Fassbender had such a flat affect, like the way he said his lines were just so monotone most of the time that it was almost nailed on a chalkboard. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, House of Mirth with Jillian Anderson in it. Like, has anyone ever seen that? Jessica, usually I can count on you. Yes, but it's been a very long time. Okay. (laughs) Um, But anyway, she spoke like that. I wasn't sure if that was just like the actor's choice or if he was directed to speak very flat like that or if that was even um, how they spoke back then. If they were like higher society, they're not supposed to be very um, emotive in the way they spoke but it was annoying. (laughs) Um, And like the first time they really meet each other in the sitting room, it drove me crazy too how 
he would say something like somewhat flirtatious or kind of poking at her and she would swallow. And that was like her reaction to like everything he said. Um, pretty nervous. No, it was, I mean, it worked, but it was like four times, four times. Jerry, say something Jerry, you're taking up the swallow. mantle of Jason Merritt very well Sorry. on these notes. I was Keep very cranky last time. <laughs> I didn't think it would go this way, but I'm so glad it did. I love it. Um, and it, it bothered me too how Imogen Poot's character, um, Ingram, what's her name? How they, they didn't show the fallout of that. Like, you know, where is her and her feelings? Like, it was very obvious. Like, look at them in Jessica's picture. Like, they were flirting. Well, I mean, Jesus, no, that's he said, it. he said she's a machine without feeling. Yeah. yeah like, She's annoying in every single scene you see her. Yeah, we hate her. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I felt, I felt a little bit more. You're rooting for the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't she? Mm. I think they don't spend enough time on her in this version for you to like truly hate her. In other yeah. versions, you I really get like to how... know the depths of her depravity. Yeah, like she just seemed like a normal person that maybe because she's a little high society, like she could have, she's not as empathetic as she could be otherwise. But for the most part, like she seemed fine and she enjoyed his company. He at least acted like he enjoyed hers. And so it bothered me that like. Yeah, but she put down her like mistresses though. She put down Jane Eyre in front of all the friends. What did she say? In front of Jane. She's like talking about how horrible governesses are. They're a detestable breed. Oh. Like on and on and on. And in this scene, when Jane approaches them, she says, Does that creeping creature want to? It's horrible. She's well, she she was just kind of standing there menacing. Anyway. What was he doing? Blowing a feather? He was being Yeah, they were like playing with totally normal feather game happening here. Yeah, why is he like kneeling and giving? Uh, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I'm on your side, that Carrie. That's a very strong visual. I think she should have been a missionary in India with Sinjin. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I think it bothered <laughs> me. Like it, it showed more towards the end, like them not just like spirally attracted to each other, but like enjoying each other's company at the same time. Like you see him laughing. And so they're not just like super serious. Like, I, I guess I don't have a lot of patience for characters that are so serious and take themselves so seriously. It's like, get over yourself. You don't like but, the brooding type? No, I have no patience for that. Um, I love Jamie Bell's character and I hated how he turned into like this misogynistic creep at the end. Like he was so sweet at the beginning and then he calls her marrying him a full sacrifice like going to India with a half sacrifice and then marrying him was a full sacrifice yeah and it be just, enough of love of yeah. love of love <laughs> yeah he was great and then he was not great and that was disappointing I wanted him to be likable the whole time yeah I've seen this movie so many times and every time I'm fooled by him I'm like yes Yes, that's the guy you want to be with. Like, he's going to take care of you. The other guy's a self-conceited, you know, whatever. And then he says that, like, he puts, like, the fear of God into what he's saying. And I'm just out. 
I'm done. I'm like, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You ruined everything. Basically does like the like the Mormon guy thing of saying, like, I uh, received revelation. Yeah. <laughs> you should marry me. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So I think um it would have been nice for Jane Eyre to have gone to India as his brother, or I mean as his sister. Um, but I'm happy that things worked out the way they did. Um, yeah. Oh, and um, you were asking about crying earlier. I bawled during the part where um, she, I think it's like when he, the scene where he proposes to her, but like the whole thing where she just like unloads on him and they showed it in the trailer. Um, her saying, you know, like she's a nothing and he, why does he treat her that way and blah, blah, blah. I thought that was a very powerful scene and the actress nailed it. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. Favorite scene or line? Um, Mine's how very French. <laughs> that was a great line. Judy Dench is a treasure. I'm so glad her. that she was sympathetic and nice because it, it could have turned out like, oh, another, another mean person for Jane Eyre to deal with in her life. But yeah, she was well, great. Yeah, and that part where um, Jane Eyre goes to the house that's burned down and Judy Dench's character is like, you know, why didn't you tell me like I could have been there for you or something like to have like that much compassion for her when she herself is in such a horrible situation so yeah maybe that scene is you know when she goes up and hugs her and asks her about everything it's great all right sean you're up any thoughts i've written some notes um so i think i've said i said this when we watched bright star and i said this when we watched a room with a view but like i I'm like prejudiced, but I know I'm not going to like these period pieces. So I avoid them. And so I'm I'm glad to like have these opportunities to be proven wrong. Um, So I I started the book, I started reading it and wasn't really getting into it. But then I switched over to the audio book and I'm just loving the audio book. I'm, I'm all in. Um, I know this probably isn't a hot take, but I think the book's better than the movie, which it usually is. Um, One of the classics. Like right. That's a pretty um, good book, actually. <laughs> um, no, but I feel like, like what I'm enjoying about the book is much more the prose than the characters or the plot or anything else. I mean, I guess Jane Eyre is a, a good character. And it's from her point of view, which is, you know, one of the things that's so good about it. But um, so like the prose is the one thing that you can't take from the book and put into the movie. So there were things that I I don't know. I I liked the movie. It was fine. But um, I don't know. I'm just enjoying the book a lot more. And I definitely had the experience of comparing it way too much. You know, like little details in the scenes. I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to happen, you know. I feel like one of my problems with all of these kinds of stories is like, I find especially the male characters like completely unlikable. And it's like, why are they falling in love? Like, I don't even like this guy. Like, why am I supposed to be cheering for him? 
Um, and I feel like in the book, he's even worse. Um, he's just like a nasty man. And I don't, I don't understand why we're supposed to like him. Um, but, and, and the other thing that I think is kind of funny that is definitely a lot more present in the book, but they mentioned it in the movie too, is that like, they're supposed to be ugly people. Like there's that one line where yeah. he says, I don't know, he says that he's no more handsome than she is beautiful or something like that, kind of implying that they're both ugly, but they're like these beautiful Hollywood movie stars. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I, I just wish that every once in a while they could lean a little bit more into that and just have normal looking people in movies, especially in like this classic work of literature where that's kind of one of the major points of it is that she's not this beautiful, you know, high society woman that she's a poor, ugly girl. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things that she's up against. Um, when Ricky Gervais directs it, they'll have right. a bunch of normal looking people in there. <laughs> I'd watch that adaptation. For sure. <laughs> um, I was looking because of Bright Star. I thought there's got to be at least one scene where there's somebody lying down in some plants. And sure enough, she got really sad and she was lying down in some plants. And I really liked that. There were some beautiful flowering trees in the spring. I wanted her to climb the tree and then lay on top of it. And it was yeah. a missed opportunity. Well, and I, I think that's probably what I liked the most about the movie was how it looked. I thought it was really beautifully shot. Um, it didn't it win the Oscar for the best costumes that year. Like, I think, I don't know. It was a really good looking movie. And then even though in the same way that with the book, like I don't particularly love the plot or the characters, but I love the prose. Um, I feel like in the movie, I love the performances even though I wasn't particularly sold on any of the characters. Um, yeah, it's great. But I think those are my main, main thoughts. I should have written more things down. Honestly, I was falling asleep a little bit while I was trying to watch it last night. Rachel, you're up. And then Paul. I was nominated. It doesn't say that it won. Okay. Just... It deserved the nomination. So um, I used to love all these kind of period pieces, movies, and love, love, loved Pride and Prejudice, watched that so many times, and then I got into um, so many others, I, I can't even remember all the names, but um, I haven't watched them for probably two years at least, and watching them now with a different perspective on like patriarchy it just really ruins everything <laughs> just it's like every man is a jerk in these movies you don't like how uh, women are property and men just want to own them oh and possess yeah them? yep that's right so it really puts a bad taste in my mouth but i was surprised because i did still really want her to be with Rochester by the end and like um you know had the teary eyes but I liked what I do like is how they're both so trapped inside themselves and they couldn't share their lives with anybody and that's really how it was for women and I've read most of the Bronte books 
um, and read about their lives and how they were three trapped sisters with this dad who was a pastor who made them read the newspaper to him every day and their brother who was an alcoholic and probably abusive and um, they didn't have any prospects but uh, Charlotte does end up getting married and having a child but it's not like they were able to have the lives that they could have had today although Charlotte did have a lot of prominent friends in that society, other authors. Um, anyway, I just thought about the men a lot and how, how trapped, like Rochester, you think he's a jerk the whole time, but then if you don't know the, the story or haven't read the book, you find out that he's actually been really compassionate to this wife, this original wife that he could have sent off to a home or not a home but like a mental hospital where they would have just treated her like crap and would have been much worse than the situation that he was trying to give to her so you can give him like some credit there um I don't know favorite scene I always thought it was interesting and this is obviously a, some kind of part of the plot, but how Rochester at the end is, I guess, emotionally freed from this relationship that he had, emotionally and legally freed from this relationship that he had with this first wife, but then he becomes physically entrapped because he tried to save her life. But so he, he's still trapped. He, he's just physically trapped now. But I think that the book is trying to tell you that um, it's about the power of your mind. I don't know, like, <laughs> like um, he wasn't able to tell anybody how about her, about his relationship in the beginning. And so that was trapping him, but then he was free and it, it was better off even though physically he couldn't see or probably walk in the book I don't know if that's true but anyway so good thanks Rachel <laughs> is that it do you have anything else mm. my favorite scenes are just in the wilderness especially when she's alone Oh, like a dreary waste? Like Oh, yeah. Cold? I love the dreary wasteland. I, it literally makes me want to go visit and just walk by myself in a storm with 40 pounds of clothing on. Like, I actually want to go do that. You <laughs> <laughs> can have do. movie club con in the wilderness of Yorkshire in a couple of years. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who's going to meet up with me there in April? We'll go to the lake. Yes. We'll go to the Lake District, and then we'll go down to Wales and the Moors. Sounds great. Yeah, the Lake District is much prettier. The more the Moors, where the Brontes lived, is is this sort of wasteland, like <laughs> is depicted. All right, Paul, you're up. Any thoughts? <clears throat> yeah. Um, 
So my favorite scenes and also the hardest scenes for me uh, were from when Jane was a, a child. There's something about like, like emotional and physical abuse as inflicted upon children that like just rips me to shreds differently than when somebody is a quote unquote adult. But I loved that when these little kids are in these hellacious circumstances, like they're still like, even, even at the margins, they're still like grasping at any type of agency, you know, like maybe you're going to beat me across my back. I'm still going to opt for like bringing this piece of bread, knowing full well that like the torture that she sees happening to Jane probably happened to the friend, you know, um, I, I, so, so I was really, really drawn to the childhood sections. I know that's a short lived section of the, the film. Um, and my, my favorite part, because it made me feel something and which was like compassion and discomfort simultaneously was when she, she opts to get into the bed with somebody who's sick, right? And then so you're like, oh no, don't do it. You're gonna get some gnarly disease too. And then like her friend dies, but the eyes are open. Like not this peaceful, oh, I went to heaven. It's like, I am frozen and hey, you did something beautiful and here's a little trauma to go with it. You know, and I was just like, whoa, what a what a bold choice. Again, I, I haven't read the novel, so I can't, um, I don't pretend to to be able to make the comparison or anything, but just visually, uh, that was that was super compelling to me. And then again, it's it's a micro moment, but I was so taken with how at the very beginning of the movie, I guess she's like standing in a doorway. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's just, you kind of feel the wet, you feel the cold and the whole movie, um, I realized on some level that the, the director must've accomplished something pretty incredible because even though I was in my office on campus, like I ended up like wearing jackets and I felt cold the whole time. So I was like, somebody has successfully created um, you know, like a feeling. And, and so then noting that like this director is a chameleon of sorts, like the maniac and seen nombre and now like uh, 007 flicks. And you're just like, what? Like, but um, I, I guess, yeah. And, and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I kept thinking too about like the, um, Oh, what's it called the perks of being a wallflower line like where we accept the love we think we deserve and so I kept thinking about that too like within the realm of possibility who else is Jane going to love except the only Y chromosome who's ever like given her opportunities and, you know she she talks about I've never gone to cities I've never like really experienced anything else and so I teach at the mecca of romance right like right there on BYU campus so pre all of the classes I teach post and or during like that's a it's a big topic 21st century be damned like that's still what everybody's riffing on all the time um and a lot of them a lot of the students are talking about the one that just happened to work with them or the one that just happened to be in their ward or the one who just happened to be in that class and so kind of the convenience of how 
convenience or inconvenience and then the the people that we we find and fall in love with and choose to stay with are typically the warts and all humans who just somehow fit into the natural rhythms of our world or something oh and i also love the above shot that kind of looked like um what's the what's the tom hanks castaway you know when he when he gets to like drive down this road or that road I, i loved her above shot too where would it matter which road she was going down like everywhere was hell and and i just felt so badly for her so None of those are mind-boggling thoughts, and I, and I probably uh, sorry to be gone for thirteen months and only bring that. But those those were some of the things that I was thinking about. We got Paul back, everybody. Um, that was great. I hated the torture of the little girl. I was can't I couldn't <laughs> wait until she grew up and I didn't have to watch that. It's so uncomfortable standing on the chair just like social shame and of course you had some had to have somebody die of tuberculosis just like in bright star what an I age i wasn't loving it in the sense of like yeah like let's just keep having the kids go through pain <laughs> i'm not like sadistic like that i was saying um yeah. i liked breaking down the idea that there's something that the audience needs to be shielded from that like we can't see little kids go through super horrible things because they do. And, and that's something that I often try to talk to my students about, like four-year-olds are living divorce, six-year-olds are living abuse, eight-year-olds are living identity crises. And yet like they don't get to read about them until they're, you know, twice, three times, four times the age or whatever. So yeah, that's why. That's great. And Jessica. <laughs> did i startle you <laughs> like you put on the I forgot spot. that i was next um <laughs> and everybody like takes notes and i never take notes but um i always think it's interesting like you're talking about the trauma that she goes through at the beginning and it's like this is definitely a very gothic book right and she has all these early experiences that really set the tone for that like her being locked in the red room which she thinks is haunted you know you don't really get this in the movie but she thinks is haunted by her dead uncle because that's where he died and like simply being locked in that room is super traumatic for her and then she goes to this horrible place where she's abused and starved and sees her best friend die next to her in bed and on the one hand for us in the 21st century looking at that that's really shocking and traumatic but so much of the stuff as I like read this or watch this movie I feel like so much of this came from the the life of the author, right? Like I I did some more research about the school because I knew that it was based on a real school that had like an outbreak. I don't think the room was actually haunted, Paul. Like, well, I don't know. It it's never uh, like in the book it left sort of ambiguous. Yeah, right? it's 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 vague in the book. She thinks it's haunted, so is it haunted? I don't know. Um and like, there's definitely these kind of like little supernatural things that weave their ways through the book. So anyways, um, the school is based on a real school. And at the school, there was like a massive typhoid outbreak, a bunch of students died. And following the typhoid outbreak, two Bronte sisters died of tuberculosis. So 
like this isn't just a traumatic gothic event that she's writing about to set up Jane's life like this is Bronte's life that she's putting into the book it's her experiences and so you talk about or who was it that was talking about Rachel I think it was you about being taken in every time by Sinjin's character like he seems so good at first and so nice and kind of like warm fuzzy but is it any surprise like knowing what we know about Bronte the Bronte dad and the only other clergyman we see at the very beginning of the book and how evil he is like there's no surprise that Sinjin ends up being kind of I don't think he's evil but he's definitely a weirdo I was surprised about how nice they were I guess with the start of the movie with everyone so mean it was nice to see anybody that was nice (laughs) That's true, right? Like she has all these terrible early experiences, but I think Jane, at least in this version, seems like a little bit of a sad sack. Like she goes through her life saying, oh, woe is me. I've never had family. I've never had friends. I've never had anybody who looks after me or cares for me. But like you see her going through these different experiences and picking up friends like Helen, who even though Helen is dead, Helen was like a true and good friend to her that added a lot to her life. And you see when she's leaving the school, all the younger students are like clinging on to her, you know, it's clear that they love her and like cherish her. And she goes to Sinjin's house and these sisters and even Sinjin really like take care of her and bond with her. And and at Thornfield Hall, she has all these good relationships. So I don't know, I think Jane is kind of blind in a lot of ways. Um, what else? Rochester's, Rochester's a jerk. I don't think you are supposed to like him. Like he's obviously the hero, but I think in some way he's kind of an anti-hero, right? Like he's world weary. He's been through a lot of junk in his life. And I don't like flirting where they just pick on her. Like, oh, you have a direct stare. Oh, now you find the carpet flowers really interesting, huh? It's like, shut up. Just I was watching sit there. Thinking he's like the original troll like he's just beginning to end like trolling her constantly yeah. and tell me your tell of woe yeah exactly stuff. what a jerk um but I love in this version that she she is nervous but she responds really boldly I think and like she's not taking any of his guff so she's bold I think she's very practical but she also knows what she wants and she knows her own worth and is willing to like work to get the things that she knows that she deserves I guess um do you think it was needed to get that inheritance did that even change anything of the plot or her motives I think she would have probably I think the denouement would have been the same either way right whether she had the money or not it helps Rochester and his fallen down house that now she comes back to him and has it it kind of just it kind of felt like just a deus ex machina like his wife dies in this fire and she happens to get this inheritance Mm -hmm. and so now they can get back together but like nothing's really changed due to their actions yeah in a lot of ways it's just a plot device of a lot of those 19th century novels just like a lot of times there's that's just if you're writing this type of story there's an inheritance that someone doesn't know about or like there's just 
always inheritances like that that play different sorts of roles depending on the story yeah it felt out of character for her it was in character because she wanted to be so honest all the time they talk a lot about her being honest so she wanted to be honest or i i guess in, have integrity to the social norms at the time which were those marrying relationships had to be on equal terms financially generally um but it did not feel like her character in respect to her being a little bit rebellious and going her own way when she felt like she was against injustice she always chose the way that where she got what she wanted or somehow could find some kind of justice in the situation so I don't think that she like I think the reason for her getting the inheritance was so that she could be on equal terms marrying him because she had mentioned that before like even though she would have married him without that but it it didn't feel true to her anyway like it helped her feel like it even the playing field a little bit so like she has money now and he's disabled so they're <laughs> making the same place I remember as a teen, I read this and it really focused on how ugly Jane Eyre was and looks. And I thought it was convenient that Rochester went blind at the end. And so it's like, looks have nothing to do with the relationship. <laughs> I do also think the blindness, like he's finally free emotionally and legally, right? But he's made bad mistakes in his life and I do think he treated his wife poorly, even though he could have treated her worse. So I feel like it's kind of Bronte's way of bringing justice to him for the wrongs that he did to his wife and maybe maybe Blanche, maybe other women in his life, Adele's mom, who knows. Um, I don't who know. was Adele's mom? Where did that come from? Adele's mom was like a Parisian opera singer that he was like keeping as his mistress I think I don't know if this is all like from the book exactly but I don't think this was in the movie at all yeah no it's not in the movie but my memory is that she was a she was a singer Adele is not his child but he was like her keep the mom's keeper at the time and she was cheating on him with another guy and Adele is that child and she just like disappears one day and leaves the child in the apartment with a note saying, take this child to Rochester. And I do think it's actually really kind that he chooses to take care of her. He's kind of rude to her. But. I was thinking about learning that song in French and all like the hand gestures. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that moment, Sophie Ritzing. I do really love that moment, the very French. <laughs> Jane, uh, the delivery was so good. I also really love. Jane didn't even smile. It was just straight faced. This I know. little girl performing, and she's just like, no, no expression, no clapping or anything. <laughs> she's improper. But, but her whole life has been like Auschwitz, man. Like it's it's got to be hard to be like, oh, that's cute. It's like her whole life has been. I, I and I wonder like the the degree to which like showing emotions has ever helped her you know like 
especially time period wise, good emotions, bad emotions, instead of like 21st century, like, no, that's just data. Like you make sense of it as you like, I don't think that was on the table at that point. Like, I think it was pretty much like, don't let people know how you feel, make sure that you're witty, but that also you're, you quickly let the Y, the Y chromosome feel like he has the upper hand, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyways, sorry. I'm, I'm just coming to her defense, even though she doesn't, she doesn't need me at all. She, she crushed it all by herself. Yeah, she was good. The, the other thing in that scene though, is it's immediately after this little girl reveals that her mom has died. And so it's like this sad moment that she's like, Oh, do you want me to sing a song? And so I would expect Jane to like sympathize with her as someone else who, you know, had a rough childhood. And um, I don't know. I would have really liked that to be a moment where Jane like connects with this little girl instead of just being completely straight faced about it. But I do think even for Jane, there's a little element of distaste because yes, she's Adele has revealed that her mom has died, but she has also revealed that her mom used to entertain gentlemen visitors and allow Adele to sit on their laps and entertain them as well. And like, That sounds terrible to me, and I can understand why everybody would be a little bit uncomfortable with that. Um, I wondered if it was more like Jane feels the most comfortable around the young people when there aren't other adult eyes uh, paying attention, because when she's saying goodbye to the other students, indentured servants, whatever they are at the, the boarding school, like you can tell that she's, she's got some sort of rapport so it is with the country schoolhouse. So it is with this little young one that she's she's taking care of. But it's it seems like when there's somebody her age or somebody slightly more senior, like that's when, at least outwardly, she seems to regress. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, yeah, that was really that was a thought that I thought like it wasn't so like on the nose, but it was <laughs> like a potential reading, I guess. Yeah, good point. Is that Henry yelling, Rachel? Classic Henry playing video games. <laughs> I have a comment about her being ugly and I'm, this could totally be wrong, but maybe she heard that a lot from people and maybe Charlotte heard that a lot from people in her life and needed to add that to the book to get something out of her system. Well, and in a, in a lot of ways, right? Even, even the movie in a lot of ways is about a subjective experience, even though you can't, portray that in the same way that you can in a novel. Uh, and so people telling someone they're ugly, that's that's like, you know, you're left to interpret like the verity of the things that these people say. Like they, we, we might not know, maybe, maybe it's just because people are cruel. Um, you know, th there's a lot of ways I think to interpret uh people talking to her that way well they're like the unwanted right so they're not desirable in society again it goes back to them being trapped and un and misunderstood um we were supposed to do this at the first of the conversation to give time but who's choosing the movie next month Anybody? <laughs> All right. 
<clears throat> While you think about that, I made you guys a slideshow. You made a slideshow? Is that what you said? Thank you so much. That is what I said. <laughs> so I decided to rank all the adaptations of Jane Eyre. Okay. And then I realized very quickly that I've only seen three of them. So these are the ones I have personally seen ranked according to my own feelings. This version is first for the best amount of spooky mist. It's very atmospheric. I really enjoyed it. The 2007 BBC version with Toby Stevens, no, Maggie Stevens' <laughs> son, Maggie Smith's son, and what's her name with the duck face is my personal favorite. With a death face or duck face? Duck face. Oh, who has a duck face? Her faces always look this. She's the mom in the new adaptation of um, that polar bear anti-Narnia story. Oh, the... Oh, yeah. Golden Compass? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The anti-Narnia story. <laughs> oh, and I was wondering about that. Like, if we're going to go Pullman versus C.S. Lewis, like, if these gothic novels like are in conversation with in response to like a um like a pride and prejudice and, and everything else where you marry out of your problems and you have all of the like these funny isms even though like your life is falling apart but some people have argued that sorry sorry and i do want to see what the third version is but like <laughs> they're, but they're arguing about like whether um like an anti-narnia ends up accomplishing more or less the same things because like any type of response is automatically lesser or whatever and so I, I was wondering about that and I, I mean needed... I wish I had read more about this and maybe somebody else has but I would have I would say that the Brontes definitely were like Jane uh what's her name Jane Austen would definitely have been super familiar to them right because she was very popular in their writing what in the 1830s 1840s I don't know. I don't remember the dates. Yeah, the, but a few decades after Jane Austen. The yeah. the movie was set in the 1840s because the director liked the the fashion from the 1840s better, but the books from the 1830s. So that's why I remember. Is there, there that much difference in those 10 years? Apparently. <laughs> I think you would find that the 1830s fashion is a lot like what you see in the movie, but everything is exaggerated. Like the sleeves are twice as big, the waistlines are a little higher, like, their skirts are fuller. So that's um, the evil stepmother is wearing like 1830s clothing, which was yes. why he made the director made that decision so that he could make her like all dressed like that and have everybody else a little bit more understated. That's and that doesn't throw, make, like that doesn't affect anything. <laughs> Throwback to another movie club. This woman on the screen was also in Saving Mr. Banks. That's right. Yeah. yeah. She's evil. She's Lynn. also in like an A, is it A and E show? The she's affair. From Luther. Really? She's, she's killed in Luther. She's great in that. That's right. Because she has the eyebrows of Evil Lynn from Masters of the Universe. <laughs> um, while we're talking about the relationship of Austin to the Brontes, uh, I've I I love, I think what started my love of these types of movies was when I saw the Joe Wright adaptation of Pride and Prejudice um, 
like I, I hadn't like watched all the BBC adaptations. Um, and uh, it's interesting since then, I, I heard another writer comment um, that in a lot of ways, the Joe Wright adaptation of that movie is the brontified version of Jane Austen, that it's all about like these like, um, it, it's it, about the lush scenery and these uh, these bursting passions and um, wh which is a lot of what's going on in in all of the Bronte sisters. Novels. It's like a lot more but based it, in romanticism than it is in social right. Rooms. That's interesting. I would argue though that if you're reading Jane Austen as you marry out of your problems and everything is hunky-dory, like oh, just right. reading it. <laughs> Absolutely. Just responding to Paul's comment, but um, but yeah, they're, I think they're providing similar critiques in very different ways. So that's my thought on the matter. Anyways, on to slide three. There's a 1983 oh, wow. version with Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Which ranks first in height difference. Oh yeah, that is. She's like five feet tall and he's very tall. And it's kind of weird to watch. And that's the end of the slideshow. Thank you for your attention. I think we should talk about um, House of Mirth. Okay. Because I'm looking at this IMDb and it is... Uh, Gillian Anderson, Dan Aykroyd. It's got Laura Linney in there. Doesn't it have Daniel Day-Lewis? It's got Eric Stoltz in there. Yeah, I don't think it has Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't remember the show. I think we should watch the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear her flat affect. I just want to, is, da is Dan Aykroyd supposed to be English in this? Or is this like an American movie? It's set in New York, like Golden Age, Golden Era. In New York. Oh. Just because I don't like Dan Aykroyd. What? I don't. Sorry, guys. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis is an Age of Innocence, mm. which is another Edith Wharton. Well, if we want to, Paul, you got to commit to being on the January episode, and then you can choose the movie. <laughs> oh man, that way we I, get some Paul momentum, yeah. Dude, I. I feel so bad. I've been so flaky. Um, that is actually why I didn't volunteer as tribute. I was waiting, but nobody else went. So uh, yes, I I don't have a movie though. Can you give me a couple of days before I shoot something out? I don't have something on my my radar right now. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, so else? on Friday, if we haven't received a text, we're going to say, Paul, what movie are we watching? Yeah. Well, we can plan a date still, but we're not at the end yet um or maybe we are does it is there any other segments or things that we missed well you didn't talk about it really chad and i didn't say why i picked the movie and i had a few more thoughts about it anthony go um so i picked the movie for a number of reasons the the main reason and i'm really sad that jason isn't here is because several months ago i joked that i would pick this movie when it was my turn next and then i wasn't going to but just before last uh get together last episode um 
I saw that it was coming to Prime this month. And so I said, oh, we have to do it now. Um, and so that's why I picked it. Uh, I saw this when it came out in theaters. Um, it, the year before or the same year was the first season of True Detective. Um, and I remembered enjoying that. There's some interesting things that there's like, there's a sort of gunfight running away scene that's like a eight minute single shot uh, scene uh, that I remembered being really impressed. And there was just other things that I liked about it. And Kerry Fukunaga uh, was the director of that first season. And so that's how I was familiar with him. Um, and then when I saw this, I was, uh, I, it was right around the same time that I was uh, watch, I watched everything that Terrence Malick had made up to that point. And so I really um, uh, was enjoying movies that were more about the photography than anything else in some respects. Um, and there, I mean, there's a lot of scenes that are just like face acting uh, in this movie. Um, uh, but I genuinely do have grown to love uh, these kinds of movies. Um, and I think there are a lot of really interesting things to do it. I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily think it works as like a straightforward, like, oh, yay, love, happy ending sort of romance. Uh, to a lot of the thoughts especially yours Rachel's that were shared earlier like it's not just like oh I'm so happy that this all worked out like um like there is like some serious like sadism and masochism like stuff going on uh but Carrie you talked about Michael Fassbender's flat, flat affect and I and I think it's just such an interesting choice um both directorially and uh, from an actor's perspective, because it allows you to sort of almost the way that a novel does to like offer multiple interpretations. Like what what is the level level of irony or sincerity that he means in any of these uh, comments, right? Like he talks about like not caring for children at the very same time that he's like giving a gift to this child that he's, taken care of <laughs> her whole life um uh and so there's just like a lot of moments like that but but there's like some genuine like horror not only in the but also in some of the dialogue like he he talks about like how he could like snap her neck um and then the very next line is about how he wants to um yeah he does give a great delivery of that jessica um he but then the next line is like because he wants to connect with her soul and so like there's this there's this like mix of like violence but also like he, he's doing his best to try to express this other thought um i this this the movie and the book both i think uh are it's amazing to think about when they were written, when the book was written, because I think Charlotte Bronte is expressing like some really incredible ideas about um, the equality of persons um, 
it is a little sad. The, the one thing that I'm sad to have missed the most from the book is a fuller uh, development of that childhood friendship. Uh, because in the book, there's a real sense that like Jane was already this strong figure, but then she learned a lot of like the values of, of the importance of every individual from uh, her friend. Uh, and there's some really like uh, cool things uh, that are shared in those little bits. Um, yeah, so, oh, one final little thought. When, when I was an undergrad, I totally avoided like in the 19th century, I read only contemporary stuff. I was like, there wasn't any, I was like, even though 19th century literature is what originally turned me on to literature, I was just reading a lot of contemporary stuff. I was like, this is where the interesting things are happening. These are the writers that I want to write like, and they're doing more exper experimental things. And so it, had, it was later, like after school that I returned to a lot of these things. And I was just amazed at, at these, at a number of these books, but Charlotte Bronte in particular, uh, the formal decisions to, to do something like address the reader directly or, um, or the, or, and I think this comes out in the movie too, this, these ideas of like uh, reality versus like fiction versus someone's thoughts. Um, it's really interesting to me that the title of the text is Jane Eyre because, because then uh, the character Jane Eyre is also like this text. Uh, the, I think the the movie does a good job of portraying that, of like it's this text for us to. She's there for us to attempt to interpret, and for the other characters to attempt to interpret. But thanks for uh, coming along on the journey, everybody. That's great, Anthony. It was a fun. Um, was it fun? It was brooding and moody. Which, I do think there's that's, a lot of humor favorite. though like there's a lot of funny lines there's a lot of i mean sinjin was hilarious with like the sisters trying to kiss oh and it was just so awkward um well even when the characters are very serious like the way that if i were to talk about my favorite scenes it would be the ones between jane and rochester just yeah like they're the like matching each other they're my matching hot take each other wit for wit. Is it was too brooding and moody for my taste. I don't like the gothic feel. I like uh, Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, just silliness and like comedy of manners and like they're they're lighter. It's in Southern England in the summertime, which sounds great and green, and not in the moors in the rain. I'm like the opposite of. Rachel, I think I related to Paul where you just felt cold and you put a jacket on. Like anytime people are cold on the movie, I get uncomfortable. Like Mad Mardigan and Willow running through the snow or what was it? Lady Hawk? When they were just like in the snow without jackets, like that would be so cold to film and it takes me out of it. Um, but I like what Jessica was talking about, which is sense and sensibility, pride and prejudice we laugh first and then we think, but wait, what's, what's the undercurrent here? Like why, like what's right under the surface of, of this, this wit, you know? And, and so I, I think they really are more in conversation with each other than we might 
like originally I think a surface level reading of one and a surface level reading of the other make them seem like polar opposites but I think they've got a like a ton of Venn diagram crossover to yeah. be dissected I like the natural lighting with the candles and the fires oh, and beautiful it looks like a Vermeer like every night I'm thinking Vermeer too yeah. it's so beautiful like amazing the light would, like, like through the windows yeah there's the scene where she's like holding the candle right here and looking at a painting on the wall and you kind of see her in profile and you just see like the half-lit face and I just... on amazon prime it came up with like pg nudity and i'm like where's the nudity and then the the painting is the nudity in the, in the rating shocking <laughs> shocking were you kind of let down chad were you, oh you keep, man you keep waiting for that scene we're looking for like full judy on dench it, but... yeah judy dench oh man okay pretty amazing like to be able to do that lighting like so much just by like fireplace and candlelight like uh, the technical expertise to shoot a film like that, like I can't imagine. And not make it look grainy and and dark. And not good. make it look like the last season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked it. Good choice, Anthony. I think everyone liked it. There wasn't any thumbs down. Sean, I was going to recommend if you want to read a 19th century novel where the guy's really good, um it's a it's a couple decades after this but um uh daniel deronda by george elliott uh dan oh, daniel deronda a, is is that's just a bbc movie too right yeah i'm sure there's adaptations of it um daniel deronda is just like the epitome of like goodness <laughs> like um so i also think uh wives and daughters carrie did you ever read wives and daughters i've seen the movie a bunch of times i've never read it the book is so good and it has some really really incredible male characters is anybody reading anything i started reading ancient giants in north america and the great smithsonian cover-up and it's great um rachel's Chad, concerned have you, about read ancient, have you read ancient aliens no should i probably have you read and, fingerprints of the gods that's what you should read and do you guys know who susanna clark is she did mr norrell and jonathan strange she wrote a second novel, a new book and it's called piranesi and it's the weirdest book i've ever read and i'm sucked in now i'm about a quarter or a third of the way through how do you so, spell that piranesi is p-i-r a-N-E-S-I. Piranesi. Susanna Clark might be easier to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Su Susanna Clark. Yeah, I read uh, Dr. Strange. Is it Dr. Strange and Mr. Norrell? Strange and Mr. Norrell. Jonathan, Jonathan Strange. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched I read I watched the miniseries and then I read the book. And I love them both for different reasons. I I, last time oh sorry oh you can go paul i was gonna say i have a book that you can read in five minutes because those are the kind of books that i read and again i'm gonna say i'm gonna sell it like this you laugh first and then underneath the laughter you're like wait a second is there something deeper it is the most recent um john clausen contribution and it is called 
the rock from the sky. You can read it with your kids and, and or anybody else that you love and have a life-changing <laughs> experience. I'm telling you, man. Dude, the hat books, the hat trilogy yes! is like the Bible to me. I know. Okay, like I, it's so good. It's, it's one that I have. Had- <laughs> no. Sorry, I didn't okay. realize it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So it's called The Rock from the Sky. I think you owe it to yourselves to check it out. So the, I'm it with my students tomorrow. The the one where the two boys dig a hole, that's like one of my favorite books. Sam ever. and Dave dig a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah. kids love those. Love those. Because it's like the inception for books, you know, for little picture books. You're like, what? Where did did they, they make it home or didn't they? Yeah, the wind vane is different, like the, the tree. I know. Yeah, those are the kinds of books I read. Sorry, sorry. I know Ukrainian giants who go down the the Bronte world, but like mine are thirty two page picture books. So sorry, you gotta gotta take it down to my level, folks. It's okay, Paul. I, I'm reading Christmas Shopaholic right now. I love the Shopaholic books. They're so, <laughs> so good. What's the matter? Last time I said that um, people wouldn't like any of the stuff that I read, and so I wasn't going to give any recommendations, but that wasn't true. Uh, there's one book by a Japanese author. I don't remember their name uh, right off the head, but the name of the book is The Memory Police. Um, and I think any number of people here would enjoy that. I have uh, that on my list. I'm really excited to read that. It's super interesting, but... Uh, kind of the idea is that like it's this society it's like this dystopian society like there's not really that much that's bad about it other than um things are sort of um the memory police uh and objects are like decided that people are going to forget about them like perfume, for example, like uh, will stop existing. And so on a certain day, everybody like will go and like get rid of all of their perfume. And then even if someone were to remind them, like they're like, oh yeah, I remember that that was a thing, but like it would stop existing. And the idea of something that like smell the memory police. And, uh, and it's it's really 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 cool um and really anyway i would recommend it to anyone oh peter and i have been reading the secret garden together for like over a year now yeah i was gonna say for like two years you've been reading that i'm not good at reading to my kids at night so i try to push it off onto sean but i love the movie so i really wanted to he doesn't have enough I I really wanted to watch that with him because the I think it's the Disney one with Maggie Smith is just one of my favorite movies speaking of moody period pieces sorry what Anthony speaking of moody period pieces I watched that movie so many times as a kid anybody have a holiday movie that me and Rachel should watch we're watching the Shopaholic Christmas. Is obviously. that a movie? Mm-hmm. Wow. Sweet. 
Chad, I keep meaning to ask, are you recording Christmas songs this year? Yeah, I was going to do it on Sunday, but it was like 70 degrees outside and I, I didn't want to be like stuck in the bedroom. But yeah, I'm going pretty ambitious this year with some piano songs. Three. I'm excited. I'm do three. One so is my favorite fun. ever Christmas song, right? Yeah. What song is it? No, it's a surprise. Are you making your own arrangements or are you just learning other people's pieces? Oh, yeah. I don't write music and I don't write Christmas music. <laughs> I mean, but, like you can rearrange it. No, not on the piano. I sight read only. Oh, okay. Will you send it along, Chad? Since... Yeah. Did you guys see it last year too? And Sean made an album. Did you make a Christmas one, Sean, or just regular songs? No, I last year I recorded like a one minute version of we wish you a merry christmas and then phoebe made a video to go along with it and so this year i have like a minute version of jolly old saint nicholas that i recorded and i don't know if it's going to be made into a video before christmas so this one might just be a song watching that beatles documentary i'm like i want a drum set and a bass and just hang out with the beatles and write songs <laughs> that's all I like that guy that brought in the anvil. He's got like thick glasses and he wears a suit all the time. And he's just like kind of overweight. And he's talking about how he's on a diet. He's not eating that day because he's feeling thick or whatever like that. <laughs> he's so good. Oh, man. And uh, Rachel thinks John is a creep. <laughs> Say that? What? You know, the, the Beatles have been my favorite band since I was 11 or 12 and John Lennon was not a good person as crazy talented as he was he just mm. he's so oh. artsy though I guess he's I guess he's creepy but I I think I was just more annoyed with how he would just show up and just like not even talk but he'd just be like in his own little world and I mean obviously oh, he's a creative genius and that's why he's so interesting i feel like that documentary like helped me to fall in love with john lennon more like i, was uh -huh. just, I did too like uh, you yeah because because I, I was just like because there were the weirdisms that you show up in like hard day's night where he just kind of goes off and he's a clean old man da, da, da. but mm -hmm. like but then suddenly you're like oh you're just you're you're he's a sad clown you know like he's masking something and it's it's just a super deep beautiful person in there so yeah I love they were that. so skinny too they're like just withered away he's like all dancing around i'm like man yeah they're so thin like there's sticks there's sticks on yeah jumping around sitting around all day every day doing this i think Certain i'm just a little jealous of him just being able to show up and dance around and then take off whenever he wants <laughs> yeah I guess I look more of it as like how he was as a husband and as a father to Julian and stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, if you're interested in learning more about like their process and everything too, I remember reading a book uh, called With a Little Help from My Friends that's about them making Sgt. Pepper. And it's an mm -hmm. incredible book. Like I'm not musical. I'm not interested in recording and, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But it was fascinating. So that's mm -hmm. just... I can second that recommendation. It was a good one. Mm, we miss anything, Anthony? 
Any, we did uh, miss the segment where I talk about like how poorly suited this is to be a podcast. And I just want to point out that we had a slideshow for this podcast. So <laughs> that's all. I'll send it to you. You can upload it with the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. I almost forgot. Everyone look at the camera and do a big smile. Three, two. Good job, everybody. We we do. I mean, we didn't do this at the beginning, but we do just want to thank our loyal listeners and say hello to all of them. (laughs) That's right. Here's another uh, segment. It's called Where Are We At on Listens? So M has 15 plays. Lady Hawk, 10 plays. Room with a View, 5 plays. And Chad and Sean Talk Weezer. 65 plays that's the top episode that i have ever and it hasn't moved since last time. i know uh, so it's very suspicious like where did those 65 come from <laughs> so can you tell like if they listen like start to finish or no, maybe it's, like, i can't tell minute? anything I, I think it's just a download even okay. i don't know cinema paradiso has six some like a hot 10 saving mr bank seven piccadilly gym eight Escape from Q Hall, Melissa, Jessica, Carrie, and Mallory, right? That has 15. For all the work you had to put into that, I'm sorry that it has. Holy cow, you guys. (laughs) Service right for bad talking and bringing up gossip. You should have left it all in. I should have. And then Mallory's like, I feel so bad. No, yeah, Mallory felt so bad about like, making fun of somebody and she's like take that out and carrie's like take out my part and jessica's like put it all in (laughs) (laughs) and then i get off the the zoom call early and then the girls keep on talking for another 15 minutes all right um paul you are on the hook for next week or this week, come up with a movie. Okay. January, I think we're still going to do Wednesdays. So there's the 5th, 12th, 19th. Um, is everyone's schedule freed up in January? Or Paul, Every what Wednesday days works for what best for you? Anthony yeah. likes Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Well, uh, Wednesdays are best for me. Um, and so that's, but again, I'm such a flake. I feel so uncomfortable even making any type of suggestion of like, we should work around my schedule because I'll show up once every year. So yeah, whatever works for other people. Like, I think that's what you should do and, and don't rely on me at all. I'm um, quite unreliable. So I'm so sorry about that. I just want to look like you with my matching glasses and beard. I should get like a, a toupee or something with some dark hair. Come on we over. Can... The water is fine. <laughs> yeah. Get your beard card, work at BYU, then have it under a mask so it doesn't even matter. That's right. All right, guys. Uh, how about 12? Does that work? J- July, January 12th at oh, 6.30. Oh. That's, the, that's my middle son's birthday. I'm going to have to again if you guys want to just choose other movies to kick me out let's I, gotta, do, I gotta do my son's this is why we do this now yeah let's there's do no reason not to do this yeah don't apologize for having a schedule how about okay, january 19 does that look at any good or bad for anybody i don't know anybody born on that day we're fine all right let's schedule it for january 19 hopefully will and mayor can join us and 
Um, make it sky, excruciating. For you can choose any talk. movie that you want, Paul. Like that's yeah. that's amazing. Anything yeah. that you want. Have they all been narrative films? No documentaries, or did you guys watch any documentaries yet? Well, I watched Val and recommended it. So, <laughs> I guess I remember, I remember talking movie. about this when you were a contributing member of the podcast a year ago. <laughs> so I I was thinking about it with my choices. I had some in the running, but I don't think we haven't watched a documentary. Okay, I I might go that route. Um, Menashe was pretty close to like a yeah. Yeah. A, a day yeah. in the life or just like a, mm-hmm. a, it's a unicorn narrative. city felt kind of like a documentary <laughs> unicorn city it was painful okay well uh yeah look for <laughs> look for a text from me by friday and uh hopefully i can actually come through this time all right it's on the 19th of january 2022 we made it my, well my, my birthday is on the 29th and I'll send out a birthday quiz to everyone on my birthday. <laughs> Can we just meet on the 29th instead and you can give it to us live? A live birthday quiz? I'm just kidding. Has Sean seen a birthday quiz, right, Sean? Yeah, I've seen like at least two, probably several more than that. You've been doing that for a while, right? Yeah, every year I come up with a so quiz. A birthday quiz of all things Chad? Yeah. 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 What is what does that mean? Yeah. There are questions about himself that you wouldn't know unless you're like an intimate part of his life. Uh So usually you just have to guess. Yeah. Like one question is what percent of Chad's salary does he contribute to the 401k? (laughs) And you're supposed to name like a percent. Wait, so is it multiple choice or is it fill in? Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are. Sometimes it's just like a a write in the fill in the blank. Could Rachel get 100% on these quizzes? I feel set up. Mm, I don't think so. Pretty close, though. Nope. I usually don't take them, actually. Well, because sometimes <laughs> I have, like, yeah, that's right. Sometimes I have I'm questions very about. Off when it comes to Chad's birthday, I make About my childhood. Birthday parties. About... <laughs> I'll have to find them and send them out. We once had friends over, and he's like, hey, my birthday party is in a couple weeks. You guys are coming, right? And the wife was like, Rachel, what can I do to help you with the planning? And I was like, I don't plan them. John does it all on his own. And it usually involves a game of Uno and a birthday quiz. And then we end by playing uh, GoldenEye on the 64. And that's that's the birthday party. Mm-hmm. I think I you know last one. Yeah, the Uno is kind of a bust because like kids play and it's not as fun as it was in college. Yeah, I like your rules. Is that because kids suck at Uno? Yeah, kids cry. cry. I got polar sports. All right, guys, it's 816. Anybody have any final thoughts? Okay. What do I say? I move that we adjourn this meeting of the movie club. Anybody second? Second. I forgot what I say after that. Meeting adjourned. See you guys. Oh, Jessica, send me the uh, Zoom file. Yes, I will. Yeah. Cool. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.